0: You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow wherever you are. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com.
1: You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed.
0: Patricia Messenger on C103. Cross
2: And a very good Monday morning to you as we welcome you along to Cork today. If you are just staying on weather for a second, if you are planning on venturing out at any stage this week, the advice is going to be to wrap up warm because by all accounts it is going to be a chilly week. Nighttime temperatures in particular set to dip close to zero. There is an autumnal chill coming our way. That's what Miss Erin are saying. There'll be a good deal of dry weather though uh, this week, although the temperatures will be remaining around normal for this time of year, so it'll be a chilly week. But once it's dry, I think we'll all cope with wrapping up at war. John Paul and Sadie are taking your calls, 1850 333 103. Anything you want to share with us, anything you want to get off your chest, anything happened over the weekend you want to talk to us about, we'd love to hear from you. You can text or WhatsApp 086 086. To 103 103. And we're now looking at a COVID-19 battle that we're told there is a rapidly increasing growth rate and it's happening in almost every county in the country. I think for a long time, for certainly many, many weeks, we were looking at something that seemed to be only happening in Dublin. And then slowly but surely other counties started popping up and then all of a sudden every single county is now seeing an increase in uh, cases. Cases surged during the past week in 22 counties but the Taoiseach is still playing down the need to move to level 5 or any kind of stricter restrictions. On a good news, let's look at the good news in all of these figures. The reproductive rate for the virus in Dublin and we remember Dublin have been at level 3 long than any other county in the country. The reproductive rate is dropping, and the reproductive rate now in the capital is down to one. It means an infected person is only passing the virus on to one other person. I think around the country, then it's between 1.2 and 1.4. So it does look like it has been slow. But it does look like Level 3 is working in Dublin. There was 226 new cases in Dublin yesterday and that was a quarter of all of the cases. There was 814 cases yesterday. But for many, many weeks, whenever the figures was announced, there could be well over half, even three quarters of the figures were all being attributed to Dublin. So definitely, while the numbers may still seem high in Dublin, you have to take into account the population in the Greater Dublin area. But definitely, the numbers are starting to stabilise there. Here in Cork, we'd set 77 new cases yesterday, 64 were in Galway, 56 were in Donegal and 48 were in Meath. Donegal, certainly the level three doesn't seem to be working there, but I think that's been explained away by what is happening across the border in Northern Ireland, who are really having very, very uh, scary figures. On Saturday, more than a thousand cases were reported in just one day. That was the biggest total we've had since the height of the pandemic back in April 15. Tony Houlihan war- warning that the data is showing rapidly increasing growth rates and this is right across the country. But Micheál Martin, this circuit breaker lockdown, this has become our new word now, a circuit breaker lockdown and this will be a hard uh, lockdown. Miho Martin saying no to that. Thank you, Leo Varadkar then suggesting that it may be needed, maybe not now, but maybe at some point in the future. Micheál Martin says, I'm not sure that that's a runner, quite quite frankly. He said any such proposal would have to be teased out. But Leo Varadkar was writing about the prospect of a second lockdown in yesterday's Sunday Independent and Leo Varadkar said thinking of such a scenario, he did admit he said it broke his heart but he said it may be what would be needed at some point but he did emphasise that no other country in Europe has tried that before. He also said some people had suggested this circuit breaker would save Christmas but he said I'm not so sure. The problem is that when you go into full lockdown it's very difficult to get back out of it and I think that's everybody's concern. We went into total lockdown in March for two weeks and we were told it would be for two weeks and we know how long it took us to get out of that one. So I suppose there is that fear factor about going into any kind of a similar lockdown like what we had in March. A level five does look like, very much like, it mirrors the lockdown that we had back uh, earlier in the year. Micheál Martin said Ireland was at the level three restrictions. He says there is a chance, there is an opportunity. Obviously we all need to pull together. The health minister also said that this circuit breaker wasn't under consideration. But then you read what the virus expert Dr Jack Lambert, he is warning uh, about threats of a lockdown and I think he makes a really interesting point. He says this constant threat of a lockdown. And if you think about this day last week, we had the leaked news from Neffet previous Sunday. So this day last week, everybody thought we were heading towards level five. And Dr Jack Lambert is saying that that threat of a lockdown is actually damaging on people's mental health. He said the constant threat of lockdown is bad for people's mental health. And he said it isn't helping the situation. He said if we really want to stop the spread of the virus, we need the government as of now to instruct absolutely everyone, he's saying, to wear masks inside and outside. outside. He also went on to say, now remember this guy is Dr. Lam- Dr. Jack Lambert is a consultant in infectious diseases at the Martyr Hospital in Dublin. So this guy knows how diseases spread. He said anybody who lives with a vulnerable person, an older person, needs to wear a mask when they're at home with them all the time, not just when you're going out with the person, say when you're in a shop or a supermarket or with a chemist, if you live with an older or vulnerable person, you should be wearing a mask all of the time. He said it's the best way to keep that person safe. He also says the use of visors without masks. He said that needs to be stopped. He said that the increase of figures in the autumn season was to be expected. He said we've seen this globally. He said we knew the virus was going to flare up again in some manner. But the question is, What did we do to prepare for that? He says over the summer, he feels we had inadequate plans in terms of COVID prevention. But there is another expert coming out saying no to the visors, but going a step further on the wearing of face masks, saying we should be wearing face masks, not just inside when we're in the supermarkets or in any kind of a retail setting. He says we should be wearing them outside as well. And I did notice when I was out and about at the weekend and I thought it was quite busy. Seemed to be a lot of people out. There was almost a buzziness about some of the shops. I felt you could sense people were trying to get prepared for Christmas as well. There was that kind of a sense uh, about it. But I did start to notice when I was out on the street that there was a number of people wearing masks outside. So I don't know if that's something that people themselves have decided to do. I know that if I'm going from one shop into another shop and I don't have very far to go, I will leave my mask on because they say the correct way is you should be hand sanitising when you take your mask off and then you should have another mask with, with you to put on with the next shop. So the easiest thing if you're popping from say the post office into the chemist into the, into the supermarket certainly I feel the easiest way is to leave the mask on and I don't know if that's what people were doing but I did notice a lot more people outside wearing masks and I have to say in every single shop that I was in over the weekend I didn't see one person not wearing a mask. So I think definitely the message about wearing masks inside in shops is certainly getting through to people and everybody is doing it and you can see people walk to the door of the shop, turn around and go back to the car because they've forgotten their mask and we've all done that at some stage and we're still getting into the habit of always having a clean mask or a disposable mask with us. But definitely an increase, I thought, and that's just my own personal what I was noticing myself and I'm wondering if others noticed it as well or are you one of those, have you sort of consciously made the decision that every time you're out of your own home that you are wearing a mask all of the time and that's difficult, I would have to say that is difficult because you know when you do the big shop which is probably the longest time that you spend inside in any shop when you do doing the big supermarket shop there are times when I can't wait to get out of the supermarket to be able to take my mask off. And I don't have any breathing difficulties, but there are times where you can find it really, really tough going. So I I feel for people who suffer from asthma, who have any kind of a breathing difficulty, and, and many people are being so about wearing the masks because they know that it is the correct and the proper thing to do. But certainly I've noticed more people wearing it out at the weekend. And just looking at the Cork numbers rising and how everybody's worried about the Cork numbers rising. I saw this at the weekend that when we looked at Dublin, like we had flattened the curve and then Dublin was the first to start to see an increase. And it was around about the beginning of August, for whatever reason, Dublin started to see an increase in Numbers. I mean, for us here in Cork, it was mid to late September before we started seeing a spike in our numbers. But definitely in Dublin, it started kind of early enough in August. It took Dublin 29 days for their 14 day incident rate to go from 20, this is per 100,000 to 120. It took 29 days but when you look at us here in Cork we went from 20 to 120 of an incident rate. It only took 18 days for us here in Cork so that's worrying that our figures are going faster than what they did in Dublin. And then I saw uh, David Higgins is a statistician that I follow on Twitter. Most amazing uh, guy the way he lays out figures and I think he lays them out in a kind of a way very easy to read and you look at this graph and it, you know, you can, it's, it's explained very simply uh, for us all. But what he does every couple of days, certainly weekly, but he he sometimes does it during the week as well. He sort of does it by county, where we are on the league table of counties for the number of cases in our area and for weeks and weeks for months in fact, Dublin was at the top of that league of counties and you remember I was here and some might say I jinxed it I was here one Monday boasting about the fact that we were second from the bottom there was only one county lower than us and that was Sligo and we were celebrating the fact and I think by the end of that week we started to go up along this league table and this is the league table you want to be at the bottom of you don't want to be anywhere near the top anyway for Dublin they've come well off the number one position they're now down in seventh place on the list of counties with the most COVID 19 cases. Donegal now is topping the list, followed by Cavan, Monaghan, Clare. We're also a county that we're doing really well. They're now fourth. They've got the fourth highest rate per 100,000 population. Then Roscommon, Longford, and then. Dublin are in 7th place followed by Meath and then Cork we are now in ninth place we've now gone into the top 10 counties for the most daily new cases of COVID-19 and Sligo are after us at 10th place considering Cork and Sligo we were at the bottom 2 and the bottom end then looking at the bottom 5 the 5th lowest is Tipperary, 4th lowest is Kilkenny, then Waterford, then Carlo, and Mayo now is at the bottom of that league table. As I say, it is the league table that we all want to be on the bottom of. 1850 333 103. Your thoughts and comments welcomed. You can ring John Paul and Sadie. They're both taking your calls. Text WhatsApp 0862 103 103. Some of your texts uh, coming in to the programme on the wearing of face masks. I think the older people, says this, listener, are great at wearing their masks. But young teenagers are not. There were six young people outside a shop yesterday and I said to them, wear your masks. And They seemed surprised. But we're all in this together. Otherwise, they should be staying at home. Or well, I suppose if they were outside a shop, technically, they don't have to wear a mask. I assume on entering a shop, they did have a mask on. But then, disappointed to see, thank you for your text, disappointed to hear from Mary who said she saw two women with no face masks. They were in a local supermarket on Saturday. Now, was it an underlying health condition? All was slow to immediately come in and judge people. You would like to think that they weren't deliberately not wearing their masks because many shop owners are good about saying to people no entry unless you've got a mask on. Some shops very clearly have signs. I know I was talking with uh, John Paul in the office uh, this morning. Retailers are having an issue with this, with you know do you confront somebody about not wearing a mask and then we've heard from people who feel that they're being discriminated against because they've got a medical condition and they can't wear a mask and they get embarrassed if they're confronted about not wearing masks and i know that the retail sector are looking for some kind of direction on this and i know we're we're working to see if we can do an interview on it if not tomorrow certainly during the week but yeah you've got to be before we all rush in and say why isn't that person wearing a mask maybe there was a genuine reason I mean, the people who are not wearing them because they're anti-masks just annoy that living dale outside of me. And just on the wearing of masks, somebody said, would people please dispose of their masks and gloves and do it in a more appropriate way? It is disgraceful. Uh, Please, 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 as a texture, I've noticed that. It's the one thing I think every time I'm out and about, I will come across at least one used mask that has just been dumped on the ground. The disposable masks And of course, if you are using the disposable masks when you're putting them into the bin and those of you that are disposing of them properly, which I know the majority of you are, will you make sure that you cut the strings on the side of them or the elastic on the side of them because it's causing huge problems for the wildlife so just make sure that you do cut them even when you're putting them into the bin to put them in for land uh, fill. but to everybody else please try to dispose of your, of your masks it really is it, it is quite disgusting that listener is right and actually I bought their litter league surveys out we won't get certainly won't get to it today it's come up as one of the things when they went around doing their litter league survey COVID-19 is playing a role in littering in this country and no surprise the disposable gloves and the disposable masks are popping up all over the country. So it isn't just an issue for us here in Cork, for sure. Morning, Patricia. It's nice to see the, the sun smiling at us in between the showers. It is indeed house parties and booze. Maybe we should be asking how they can afford the drink instead of trying to ban and close off licences. Maybe ban alcohol sales to people under a certain age, says this texter. Closing everything is not the answer. It seems it's always a case of penalising the many because of the few. Micheál Martin at the weekend says no plans at all. To close off licence or even to limit off licences which was been mooted last week and he said you know that whole thing of prohibition as it would be called if they decided to close down off licences completely it hasn't worked in the past hasn't worked in other jurisdictions so it isn't something that they are contemplating but you're right the majority would suffer for the very few for sure and another other listeners Anne says Patricia there's still house parties going on at the weekend we've said it before there will be vaccine there will one day and please God sooner rather than later be a vaccine for COVID nineteen, but will we ever get a vaccine for stupidity? I I think not. I think not. It's it really is quite scary. And on something completely different A listener is looking for a bit of, if we could help out. Heidi says, hi Patricia, I wonder if you have any news or information on when the Douglas Shopping Centre will be open again. I know you're inundated with listeners asking all sorts of things, but it's been a long time since there's been any information come out about the shopping centre. And I'd really like, i like to do some shopping there, usually about once a month. But I'm wondering when are they planning on reopening? At the moment, the reopen date for the shopping centre in Douglas, which of course had that fire was it, no, it wasn't earlier this year was it last year you get so confused with COVID and where are we and when did things happen but it's been closed for many many months now the 12th of November is the date so fingers crossed that everything will be everything will be sorted by then but it's the 12th of November is the due date for the shopping centre to open in uh, Douglas and of course that's a timely reminder thanks Heidi for that for all of us to make sure that we're all doing our bit to shop local this year we've got a host of local and world class class brands and Cork is a super place to shop and that's why we're here at C103 you're probably hearing some of the commercials we're running at the moment, we do them every year but I think this year more than ever we need to make the effort to shop locally remembering that a thriving local economy is good for everyone and of course you'll save time and you support local jobs. We can't leave our county so we have to shop in Cork so it's all more reason for keeping it local this year and uh, we're here, here at C03, C103 asking everyone to shop locally and it's proudly supported by McCarthy and insurance group where you can shop local for motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance. You can see, find out more by going to MIG. Or today on C103. Text
0: or WhatsApp
2: Patricia with your comment. 086 103, 103. And just on the wearing of masks, a couple of listeners on saying, I think that many of the younger people are very good about wearing masks. In many cases, it's becoming a fashion statement for them. My problem are some of the older generation who are not wearing their masks correctly. They're not covering their noses. God, would somebody teach them how to wear a mask, says this text and Jur says a lot of people are wearing masks but would they ever cover their big noses please says jur a number of people making the same point you need to wear the masks folk, folks folks and you need to wear them correctly. Now, moving to a completely different issue. After December the 31st, anybody holding a UK driving licence and who are resident in Ireland will no longer be legally allowed to drive here. And that, of course, is due to the end of the Brexit transition period. Senator Tim Lumbert uh, joins me to explain more. Good morning to you, Tim. Good morning, Patricia. Now, Tim, we've known about this for quite some some time um, but now, suddenly, the time is really running out on this one. D- d- would I be right in saying that the majority of people living here, driving on a UK licence, which they were quite entitled to do, would I be right in saying the majority have swapped them over at this stage for an Irish licence?
3: Yeah, the figures, I think the figures were released due, due to a parliamentary question two weeks ago. And look, we're 90 days away from the Brexit. And I think with the Covid issue and everything else, Brexit's been somewhat forgotten about. I think there's a bit of emphasis now. And you know, informing people if this is around the corner, we need to get our um, our shop lined up because there's going to be issues that need to be sorted out. And in the next ninety days, um, there's we reckon there's about seventy thousand people in the UK in in Ireland who are actually UK residents who have a UK passport them- themselves. Of that, since 2018, fifty three thousand of them have swapped over their licences. So there's a potential there for 17,000 people in Ireland who are UK citizens have a UK licence that they haven't changed over.
2: That's a high enough figure.
3: Yeah, like with 90 days to go, like like realistically you're probably about 10,000, I'd like say, you know, not everyone would have a licence. But still, like we're still looking at figures up, up of 17,000 people in the next 90 days if they're to buy by the law, need to change that licence over. And that involves going in, making an appointment and exchanging the license. It's not a major ordeal, but I do think the campaign, and particularly by the RSA that started this week about this, is very important. That, you know, there is a major change coming. Traditionally, we are very much aligned with the UK because of the unfortunate Brexit issue. Mm. We now need to make sure we actually are joined up, you know.
2: Yeah, and uh, because you live in such a beautiful neck of the woods, i.e. West Cork, there are many people who came from the United Kingdom and have chosen to live in West Cork
3: Absolutely I think that's a huge issue I think if you look at the demographic of people in West Cork in particular it's percentage way higher than any other part of Ireland but we've of UK residents who actually are UK passport owners who are actually residents in West Cork and they have been for many many years and I think a majority of them have changed both their actual driving licence over the last um, four or five years but unfortunately there's still some that haven't and I suppose, particularly for this part of the world, it's about you know informing the people of the changes. Like COVID has just changed the whole landscape because we we've talked about nothing else for the last maybe nine months. While well, you know Brexit was the key topic for so long, and it's about getting back to making sure that we actually put everything in place for mm. Brexit. It's a very unfortunate event that we will be the UK leaving the European Union. Something that none of us really wanted to happen. But I do think we just make sure that we actually get our our lined up because in 90 days' time there will be co people that won't actually have a
2: licence. Yeah, and it's one of those things, you're right, I think COVID-19 has probably played a role. It was probably one of those things that somebody said, oh sure, I have another year left to do on that. You know, I'll do it in April, I'll do it in May, or do it in June and then with COVID, it, you'd almost forget about it because as you say, everybody's focus is, is on COVID. You say it's relatively easy. I'm assuming an appointment at the NDLS centre, is it? Yes,
3: indeed. So you make appointment at the NDS Centre and um, they've put appropriate staffing measures in place for the next 90 days because they are expecting up to 10,000 extra appointments to actually have people come in and transfer over their licence. So you're, you're effectively changing your UK licence for an actual Irish licence itself with the exact same status. So um, it's a very, very easy process. It, there's very little in it, but it's about making sure people make the appointment, go in and exchange the actual licence over itself. And um it's really these technicalities so that we just have to get right because unfortunately next January and February, you know, just a certain court people might find themselves without being informed that they might be in breach of the law. And I don't think that's what anyone wants and I don't think that's what the actual patrons who've been, you know, working so well and driving so well in a UK license for the last few years. I don't think they they want to be caught at the wrong side of the law either. It's just when these, when these anomalies with Brexit, we just have to kind of sort out.
2: Okay, and somebody's asking do you, do you have to reset the driving test? If you did oh, the driving no, test no. in the United Kingdom, you don't? No,
3: no it's a complete it's actually only an exchange. So you're exchanging, you're handing over your UK licence and you're getting an Irish licence. So it's a very simple action mechanism itself. So, there's no theory test, there's no driving test, there's no issues regarding any of that because if we had to go through all that rigmarole, it would be totally inappropriate. And it, it only counts for people are actually resident in Ireland. So, if you're a UK holiday maker, obviously you can drive on your UK license, no so right. problem at all.
2: Ho- hopefully, there's not many of those around at the moment.
3: No, but look, be but they will, be
2: yeah. they will be coming back.
3: They will be coming back. Yeah, yeah. next eighty months we can hopefully yeah. see An influx again, particularly of the UK visitors, which are so important to West Cork. And um, look,
2: so if people have family look. members living in the UK who will be coming back home on holidays again, they don't have to worry about it.
3: They don't have to worry at all. There's no issue whatsoever there. It's basically about the residents seventy thousand residents who are UK passport owners that are actually living in the in, in the Republic itself and about making sure with the new Brexit protocols that they're abiding by the law itself. And like when you actually look at the figures, there's been nearly 53,000 of these licenses changed over since 2018 mm. and an awful lot of work has been done there. It's probably just the last, probably 10,000 in the last 90 days. That's what where the push at. is at.
2: That's where the push so is at. A, 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 t- a question in for you, Tim. Can an English provisional licence be changed over to an Irish provisional licence?
3: My understanding is, yes, that a provisional will be changed to another provisional. Uh, whatever the status of that licence is. So if you go into, a don't know, a truck licence or something similar, you will get the exact status licence um, returned to you with an Irish um, license. So um, if you're not going to get it upgraded or downgraded. It's whatever license you have you actually get.
2: Okay so, so but this is a provisional driving license only because it's a truck license it's just for a oh, car. Yeah.
3: So so, so if, you, if you have a provisional license you should be able to get a an Irish provisional license then there should be no problem at all. No problem.
2: Okay but the message you want to get out to people if you continue to drive on a UK license after the 31st you are technically Driving without a license, which is illegal in this country?
3: Yes, unfortunately. Yeah. And I think, like we've seen an awful lot of work done on Brexit, probably hasn't got the actual headlines in the last six months. I like there's also have grants available for companies to change over because protocols are going to change with business, protocols are going to change regarding issues such as transportation, like we've seen with this one. So there'll be an awful lot of issues, I think, in the next maybe two or three months that like people are going to say, oh, I never knew about that. And this is kind of one of those issues that there's a cohort of people that unfortunately will be driving illegally in the 1st January unless they actually change their license over.
2: Okay, all right. And you, and as you say, are you, are you saying extra staff are being put on in the yes. NDLS?
3: No. Yeah, so there's extra staffing put on because they're expecting up to an extra ten thousand appointments to be looked for in the next ninety days. So they don't actually believe there's seventeen thousand out there. They reckon there's around ten thousand out there. So there possibly could be seventeen if every single person had a licence. But um, so they're they've put extra staff in place for up to 10,000 appointments to be made in the next 90 days for people to actually come in and exchange their actual UK licence for the Irish version.
2: And you need to bring obviously the old one with you? Yes. Yes, yeah. definitely. OK. All right. All right. We leave it there. Listen, thank you for that, uh, Tim. Thanks, and thanks sir. for joining us. Uh, good morning to you. That is uh, Senator Tim Lombard. 1850 John Paul and Sadie are taking your calls. If you want to text or WhatsApp you can to 0862 103
0: 103.
2: Court today on C 103.
0: Call Patricia with your comment. 1850 333
2: Now, the latest increase in clusters of COVID 19 in nursing homes is a worrying development. That's according to the CEO of Nursing Homes Ireland, Tig Daly, who joins me this morning to share his concerns. Good morning to you, Tyke.
4: Good morning, Patricia.
2: Tyke, nursing homes were doing so well. Why are we starting to see an increase in cases?
4: Yeah, well, clearly, I suppose it's it's what we've said from the outset, really, Patricia, is that if there is a high incidence of COVID in the community, then there's almost an inevitability that it is going to present in nursing homes. And that's the point, I think, that caught us all at the early stages. There was a high level of community transmission, a high level of asymptomatic transmission back in February and March. And that's why it had such a devastating and tragic impact on nursing homes. We've seen in the July-August period, when we, as a society, had the virus, well, maybe not under control, but definitely we had suppressed it, Uh, we saw that a a large number of clusters were actually falling off the list of of clusters, of outbreaks rather, Uh, whereas now, again, what we're seeing in the last uh, number of weeks is because of the high incidence in the community, it is impacting on nursing homes. Um, But that said, we're thankfully much, much better prepared Um, and I've spoken with members over the last number of days, obviously, and they're uh while there, there's a heightened sense of vigilance, there isn't the same sense uh, of, of lack of control, I suppose, if you like, uh, than we had at the outset.
2: Yeah, there was almost a fear of the unknown as well at the outset. And there was certainly a problem with PPE gear, wasn't there, back in March?
4: Yeah, I mean, we're in a much, much better place. So I think it's important from your listener's point of view that they would understand that, you know, while it is worrying, uh, it's not a good development that, that COVID is rising in the community generally. Uh, it's important that people would uh, be, be hear that we are as I say, most better prepared. PP is not an issue now. Uh, the COVID response teams are in place. Uh, public health are working closely with all nursing homes. And um, the asymptomatic as well as transmission it is now being detected by serial testing. Uh, serial testing is ongoing every two weeks. So all staff in every nursing home in the country are being tested every two weeks. And while, while that's showing an increased detection rate, uh, what it means then is that, you know, staff who are detected positive, uh, whether they're generally asymptomatic, they can obviously be taken off the roster then at that stage. Um, and if, if residents come into contact with it, they can be isolated. So we are in a much, much better place.
2: And just out of interest, because there was something that came up on the programme a couple of weeks ago, the serial testing in nursing homes, is that mandatory for all staff?
4: No, it's not. Um, no, on, no uh, it's not mandatory, but uh, the the take-up rate, I don't have the figures in front of me, but at one stage it was up on the 90%. Wow. Uh, I think it has dropped a little bit over the last couple of weeks because I suppose people are tired and, and fatigued by it. It is every two weeks and it is it is an imposition, but, you know, the staff themselves know the importance of serial testing, but no. But it is isn't it, mandatory, okay. No, okay. it's not. Okay. It's
2: not, okay. it's not no, and the no. increase in cases in nursing homes, Ty, was one of the reasons why this time last week we were talking about Dr Tony Houlihan and Neffet's suggestion of a move to Level 5. Wasn't was wasn't it actually quoted as one of the reasons why he wanted to go to Level 5?
4: Yeah, and it was in the letter, the infamous letter now that was sent by uh, Neffet to government on, on Sunday evening last uh, when it talked of the Level 5. But it highlighted was there was seven new outbreaks in the, in the previous week. Uh, and we've been monitoring, obviously, the clusters right the way through the clusters had actually dropped from a high of 290 down to i think 26 at the end of at the end of august early september but now it's rising again and we're back at i think about 34 or 35 clusters now so yeah there were seven new in in the past week mm. and um, we're waiting now on on the figures today from public health as to the the numbers of new clusters but yes you you're correct the 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 concern is palpable uh, within public health but also within within our members and those who work in the sector
2: would you and your members have preferred to move to Level 5 this time last week?
4: I think, look, I mean, I'm not a public health expert uh, and I'd leave that to to others to determine. Uh, I suppose what I would say is that within nursing homes, the the difference between Level 3 and Level 5 is is minimal enough, to be fair, because at the moment now what you have between Level 3 and Level 5 is only critical and compassionate visiting. Uh, The serial testing is ongoing, so there's no real, uh, I suppose you know, direct impact of moving to level five for, for nursing homes. Uh, but clearly, I would share the concern of, of uh, Dr. Holland in, in terms of the high level of community transmission, because clearly, uh, as I say, if it's in the community uh, during the week, I heard Professor Ronan Collins, Professor Sean Kennelly, all of the uh, uh, the uh, chief clinical officer uh, from, from the HSE, all of them are, are highlighting the fact that you know, because it's rampant, if you like, in, in, in the community, uh, then the likelihood is that it's going to present in nursing homes sooner rather than later. Um, and, you know, mm. that is that is something that none of us want, obviously.
2: And recruiting and retaining staff at tag, mm. is that a problem? Is it going to be a problem, particularly as we head into the winter months?
4: Yeah, I mean, that's the single biggest issue, to be honest, Patricia, for, for the entire health service, you know, not just nursing homes, health and social care generally. I mean, we're all, In many respects, drawing from the same pool of of skilled labour, Uh, and that is a huge, huge issue. I mean, the HSE in their winter plan, a number of weeks ago, outlined you know additional staff. I heard yesterday where you know five and a half thousand staff have been recruited in the HSE since the start of the pandemic, Um, and uh, that is the single biggest issue. So we again have engaged with the HSE, and look, we accept people can move jobs, Um, but what we're what we are saying quite clearly is that. In an emergency, we need to take emergency measures. And what we should, what we are saying is that any direct recruitment from the nursing home sector should be paused until such time as we're out the other side of, of this pandemic. Uh, similarly, with, with healthcare care assistance, uh, we're seeing now that there's a significant increase uh, promised in the budget tomorrow in terms of home care hours, and that's to be welcomed. Uh, but that, again, will put pressure on home care staff. Um, and again, you know, as I say, what we're doing is, you know, whether it's the acute hospital, uh, whether it 's home care providers or whether it 's nursing home providers, we are in many respects as I say, looking in the same pool of of, of labor and they're just but
2: not what, what happened Ty to those tens of thousands of health workers from all over the world who do you mm. remember the be on call mm-hmm. for Ireland That's right. and they answered mm-hmm. Ireland's call and people packed up their lives yes. and came back to Ireland. Have they all been employed?
4: Uh, not at all. I mean, the numbers—I I haven't checked that number in a while, to be honest. But uh, at one stage, it was—it was only a couple of hundred people uh, that were actually employed. Now, the HSE will make the point that very many of them, you know, uh, didn't have the, the skill sets that were required. Uh, but, uh, but my understanding is it it's relatively small—small small numbers that have been uh, have been employed. On and it the, was about
2: honest.
4: forty thousand came back, wasn't it? Yeah, was—I think there was probably seventy thousand. Was imp- it a, in the a, end, a, end a a yeah. yeah. How many actually came from overseas or came home? Uh, mightn't be as high as that, obviously. I think it would, have been, it would have been a large number of people, obviously, at the time who had lost their jobs, maybe in other sectors. And we, again, would have made an appeal at that time for people in hospitality, for example, you know, people walking in catering. Uh, maybe they could walk in the kitchen in a nursing home, for example, uh, or indeed retrain uh, as care. So, again, it, it's going to be a huge challenge for the winter for all of the health service uh, to ensure that we have, A, sufficient staff, and, B, is that when staff are out, uh, due to illness, which is is, is um, hard on everybody, uh, to have a, a replacement staff available is going to be really challenging because the staff who are working and have worked for the last six or seven months have really done Trojan efforts, as recognised by the expert panel and indeed the HICWA overview report. They really have gone uh, you know, above and beyond the call, as we know, but uh, we would be concerned that fatigue will set in and people will 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 you know the resilience of people is being tested to the maximum as we know yeah. through through COVID.
2: Yeah, and 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 finally, then the suspension of visits, tie. Uh, mm-hmm. That's hard both on residents and on their families, isn't it?
4: Look, it's heartbreaking, Patricia. You know, the, the social connectedness is a huge part. Like nursing homes are community settings, the doors are open every day of the week. Family come and go all the time. You know, that has been a huge uh, missing element of nursing home care since the start of this pandemic, and it's heartbreaking for everybody. Uh, not least the, the, the residents themselves, obviously. Uh, you know, and despite the best efforts of staff in terms of keeping people connected, it'll never be the same as having a family member. And we were encouraged in, in you know, August and September when visitor restrictions were eased, but now we're back
2: into only critical and compassionate yeah, it's visiting. Tough. Unfortunately, it's so, really, really tough. It's it tough, is, absolutely. But everybody it is understands tough. why it's been done. It's to keep everybody safe. I think. Well, it is absolutely, yeah.
4: and I suppose look, the, 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 the message for today, really, for all of us, all your listeners, and everybody is that we all need to redouble our efforts and, and keep it, uh, you know, suppress it back into the in the community again. And once we do that, we'll be able to get back into some sort of normality, hopefully sooner rather than later.
2: OK, listen, thanks as always for talking to us, Ty. Uh, Thank Tye. you, Good morning. Uh, good morning to you. That is uh, Ty Daly, who is the CEO of Nursing Homes Ireland. This is Cork
0: Today. Cork Today. With Patricia Messenger on C103. Cork Scream!
1: You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed.
2: According to a West Cork-based GP, health workers in the area are facing a wave of COVID-19 infections. To share his concerns, I'm joined by Dr Paula Sullivan, who's based at the Marina Medical Centre in Bantry. Good morning to you, Paul.
1: Hello there.
2: Uh, You're you're welcome. Now West Cork has seen very little COVID-19 positive cases since the pandemic arrived in this country. Why do you believe we're suddenly seeing an increase in cases there?
1: Well basically we we were lucky in in one aspect because we'd we'd occasionally see um, a, a case and usually it would be somebody who had come in from outside the area. So we in one way we because of our our relative well, isolation or our geographical position we we were tended to be away from the main action but unfortunately since the um, the, the, the the lockdown has has eased off and students could could go back to college um, the the number of cases has has uh, has rocketed um, Last week I spent, one morning I spent the entire morning dealing with COVID cases or trying to arrange testing or dealing with worried uh, patients or their or their family members. Um, m- my feeling is that the, 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 the increased cases is linked to students from West Cork who live in Cork City attending the college and returning home for the weekend. Um, so certainly we were worried that when this, would happen that as the college season kicked off and people are mixing and socialising and mingling that uh, the the number of cases would increase and it it has so happened.
2: And during Um, the summer months, Paul, when you would have seen an increase of visitors and everyone was told to staycation this year and lots mm, of people would have headed to West Cork, you didn't see a spike in COVID then?
1: No. No, no, no. We, 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 we were again. We were fairly. Look, I think people. We did see a lot of um, de-reg cars, and you know, from elsewhere in the country. But I think people were 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 fairly sensible, and they they just kept to themselves. Yeah. Now, so certainly, we didn't see any sort of spikes that we're seeing at the moment. Whereas this Uh, is
2: different. This is students who are in the city or in other parts of the country during the week and then coming home to mammy or daddy with the washing at the weekend.
1: And yeah. yeah. And uh, unfortunately, before we we were fairly confident that the COVID wasn't embedded in the community, but now we're concerned that it may take, that because of the figures and people who are, I suppose, native. The area suddenly developing the infection that there's risk that it may take hold in an area that was thankfully free from it. Now, we, we, one of the reasons as well that uh, people were very concerned is that they would have been told that uh, somebody that they were in contact with or a friend who was in contact who may have been positive um, was that they now are uh, at risk. Um, unfortunately, because public health system is under such strain because they don't have enough resources, enough contact tracers, that they were literally in the dark as to when they'd be contacted for testing. And obviously they were concerned that they contacted us and my colleagues, um, and we have had to take part of the strain to arrange testing and follow up. Um, currently at the moment there are only 208 contact tracers in Ireland uh, under public health to, to do this work.
2: It's not enough.
1: It's not enough by a long mile. Um, So I think um, uh, we would love if public health, if the resources could be put to public health so that they could do their job um, because they are, the system is under such strain because of the the amount of cases and the amount of work that's required with each case to to trace and to try and shut down the the, the the spreading of the and the risk of spreading of the of the infection.
2: And Dr. Paul, if somebody tests positive for COVID nineteen in a household, is it very hard to stop the spread within that household?
1: Well, basically, we advise if somebody's tested positive and looking through the the the, the we we would advise them that, you know, they would have to restrict, um, uh, the person has to isolate for 14 days. Now, close contacts would have to restrict the movement for 14 days as well. So um, certainly if those people were, were, were worried, we would arrange testing for themselves as well, or public health should arrange testing for them. But uh, generally, the general rule is if the student was tested and was found positive all the contacts in the house at least would have to restrict their movement to 14 days now mm-hmm. that would be you know school children their parents and that would have a knock on effect
2: yeah. and we have seen clusters in families around the country exactly. uh, yeah. particularly yeah. when people didn't realise that they had COVID-19 and by the time yeah. then someone tests positive it turns out everybody in the household yeah. has it yeah. as well would you be saying to college students stay away don't come home on the weekends
1: well, I would. It's difficult to say to the students. I mean, they. We w- certainly we would suggest that if they are symptomatic, if they're cough or cold, they stay away from home. Um, if again, if they one of their their friends or has been tested positive, it may be that they they may have to await public health to get in touch with them and stay away from home. Um, unfortunately, it's very difficult because. 80% of people who, who have COVID are asymptomatic. Um, so it's very difficult to, to offer a blanket sort of recommendation to college students. I mean, certainly common sense would would, would entail that if you have any symptoms, you would stay away and await public health uh, to get in touch with you or contact a GP in, in the area. Um, and essentially... Um, just wait for the system to, to, to deal with you. Um,
2: yeah, and I heard at that. the weekend that you can be most contagious in those early days, either when you don't have any exactly. symptoms or when yeah. you start to show very mild symptoms. Exactly. So, yeah, it's, you know, common sense, unfortunately, doesn't always uh, prevail. Uh, we're nearly a week living under level three. Do you think that's going to yeah. make a difference?
1: It's, well, obviously the government has has, has disagreed with uh, NPHET, um, uh, they recommend level five, so we're, we have to, to go with the government and their judgment. Um, unfortunately, with this condition, we have two weeks where anything that happens two weeks ago, we're only starting to see it now. So we've always that sort of information gap of two weeks where even if we everything stopped, we still wouldn't see any effect for two weeks. So unfortunately we 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 were all we we were we are going to be playing catch up um and i think it's we, we have to trust in what the government says and what they the, the their judgment is obviously you have to play the needs of certainly going, going a full shutdown against the needs of the business community and the economy um and they have their concerns as well um So it's a fine balancing act and then, believe me, I wouldn't like to be in in the Minister of Health's shoes and the Taoiseach's shoes.
2: Absolutely. Uh, And in the meantime, we all have a role to play in abiding by the Mm -hmm. relatively simple rules and regulations on social distancing, the wearing of the mask, the cough etiquette, and if you are feeling unwell, do Mm -hmm. not ignore any of those symptoms.
1: Exactly, exactly. Unfortunately, there was a sense that people had forgotten this and when you saw these scenes of, say for example, uh, after certain GA games, yeah. where people would be marching, and obviously that that was seen on, on social media. Me, uh, media. Certainly, that there there would be a sense of cop on. You know, people just have to cop on and follow the rules, and and this would reduce the growth rates of the, the COVID. And essentially, people are protecting themselves. Um, it's it, it's not complicated. Um, you just follow the rules for social distancing.
2: And your message and advice to older people and those with underlying health illnesses, is it to stay indoors as much as possible?
1: Well, certainly follow the the public health guidance. There is going to be, the system is going to be under huge strain. There is going to be increased um, uh, upper respiratory tract infections anyway as as, uh, winter comes along. People should get the flu vaccine. Um, It will protect them anyway. Um, My feeling is, Ultimately, we will have to wait for the COVID uh, vaccine whenever it occurs, but we're probably looking into next year. Um, certainly, we follow the public health guidance, stay indoors, um, if they can, um, socially isolate, um just follow the public guidance, mm. and uh, hopefully you know then that's that's all they'll need to do
2: okay, and you mentioned the flu jab just uh, finally, Dr. Paul, have you enough vaccines are you you like a lot of other doctors who are struggling to get the vaccine at the moment
1: yes we yeah. we, we, we we were only getting in in trenches now we, we had a flu clinic which was very successful um all our flu shots were 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 taken up. Uh, we've only a handful left and we're waiting our next uh, tranche to be delivered. We could have done twice what we did on Saturday yeah. um, with no difficulty. Before, we would have some left over. Now, I think uh, they're, they're, they're going like hotcakes. So um, certainly, if, if we could get more, we would, we would yeah. be glad and to have Every
2: some. GP all over the country and pharmacist saying the same thing. All yeah. right, um, Paul, we leave it there. Thank you for that and thanks for joining us on the programme. Good morning to you. That is Dr Paul O'Sullivan who joins us from the Marina Medical Centre in Bantry with certainly a word of warning to people in the West Cork uh, areas and for students coming home at the weekend. Back home to Mammy and Daddy you need to be really really careful guys 1850 333103 a number of Whatsapps in on the wearing a mask Audrey said why don't people that can't wear a mask for a medical reason or because they can't breathe for whatever reason would they not just wear a shield no you know the face visors no excuses says uh, Audrey even though we've heard the arguments that they don't offer full protection but I know where you're coming from Audrey they certainly are better than nothing John says Patricia we should be in lockdown one week ago today. But the great government have chosen to gamble with people's lives. They are, John feels, a disgrace. It's all about money. With them says John, we have to borrow our way out of this regardless but isn't it worth it? Who cares about money and debt? I'd prefer to see people kept safe and to hell with the money. We need to save lives. That's from one of our listeners called John. Another text that says Hi Patricia, if they want to... If they want to, could they not put a curfew, say a curfew of eight o'clock until 6am in the morning. So everybody needs to be indoors in their own homes from 8 o'clock at night until 6 o'clock in the morning. Would that not stop the house parties? And uh, Then people they wouldn't be able to travel to the house parties they would let the guard know exactly what and where is going on. It would also give everybody a chance to go to and from work and allow society to return to some kind of a anorm- normality. On wearing masks, Patricia, wearing masks at all times really is a small price to pay to reduce the spread of this virus without having to go into long term lockdown it's probably the only way that the country would be able to remain at level 3 and everyone should give it a go. Mask Dodgers will be the first to complain if we have to drop to uh, level 5 so we won't even think about them I suppose is the logic there 1850 333 103 Neil says morning Patricia I was in a supermarket recently and I did my shopping I put my shopping in the car and I returned my trolley to the bay and I noticed that the person who had returned to the trolley just before me had taken their mask off and just dumped it into the trolley God the logic behind who'd even think about doing that who would even think so the next poor person coming up to take out a shopping trolley is faced with somebody's used mask and if God forbid that person was shedding the virus it's going to spread to whoever has to take that mask out shocking Absolutely uh, shocking. Thanks for that, Neil. Morning, Patricia. One confirmed, our confirmed cases, sorry, are still on the increase. Why are people still not getting the message? I was in a local shop yesterday when two ladies in their 80s came in both without wearing masks. I don't think they sanitised either. They ignored the one-way system and other customers in the shop and just proceeded around the shop whatever jolly way they decided to do it. Proceeded to handle the baked goods on display at which point... Put my shopping down. And I left the premises. Being elderly is no excuse to flout the restrictions. These ladies, by the way, obviously known to this texture, had travelled about fifteen miles, so definitely had their wits about them. Stay safe, all. Says this uh, texture, eighteen fifty three 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 one o three. That's by WhatsApp by text. Morning, Patricia. When the protection of the elderly is a priority, and no one can think any differently, I cannot understand how private. Or oh, this is when I was doing my chat about nursing homes. I cannot understand w- how private nursing homes are looking for handouts and the taxpayers to help fork out for their staff and for their PPE gear. where? where when, in the last six months, they were, what were they doing? They should have been preparing for this second wave and the exorbitant fees that they charge in private nursing homes. It's just jumping on the bandwagon, says this texter. And another listener says, Morning, Patricia. Can anybody please answer this question for me? The government are constantly asking people to, where possible, work from home. But yet, they put children, and in some cases, our grandchildren, out to schools and colleges, etc. Where, in the name of God, does that, how does that make sense? Pulling them in danger. Close all of the schools, please. Elderly and vulnerable are suffering because of students and children not wearing masks. It is a, I can't use the B word, but it's a mm, joke. Says this are very annoyed that schools have still, are still open. And by the way, on schools, schools will not be taking an extended midterm break later this month. This had been spoken about last week. The idea behind it was it was going to help to spread, to curb the spread of COVID-19 and restrict the movement of children. But obviously parents, teachers and building leaders all looking for clarity across last week after it was revealed that there was a proposal that came out on Friday. And the proposal was that there would be an extra week to the Halloween midterm break and it seemingly It had, at government levels, been discussed briefly. But Stephen Donnelly, the Minister for Health, he was first out of the traps at the weekend to say it isn't going to happen. There isn't going to be a longer mid-term break. The usual one-week break will begin fortnight today, isn't it? The 26th of October and it will run for that following week from the bank holiday, Monday onwards. Stephen Donnelly, Minister for Health, says there was very... There was very good news that schools are not contributing to a rise in numbers. He said the level of cases among children was about the same as was before they returned to the classroom and the reports have been that schools are safe. Minister Donnelly said he, there was an educational cost to closing schools, particularly for children in disadvantaged areas and he said keeping the schools open is the big priority for the government. So there isn't going to be an extra week on the midterm break as was speculated about. 1850 333 103. Sadie and John Paul taking your course. Text or WhatsApp 0862 C 103. 103, 103 Jobs. Crowley Engineering in Kilmallock, they are looking for a welder, while the Clonakilty Park Hotel are looking for a hotel accountant. You need to have some relevant experience, please. Healthcare assistants are wanted, that's for the Araglin House Nursing Home there in Boerbwy. And the Bon Secure Hospital in Cork, they're looking for a clinical nurse manager for their breast care centre. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by like going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. Or today on C103.
0: Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment.
2: 086 2103 103. Now, sleeping... Toe to toe as rats scurried below their beds at night. That's how it was described. Patrick Walsh and his disabled son, Adrian, had been living. They're living in an abandoned bus on a site outside of Blarney in Cork, and they have been in that abandoned bus for the last four years. Kate Durant is a community activist who has been helping this father and son. And she once again joins me on the programme by way of an update. Good morning to you, Kate. Morning, and what are you I, I'm, doing? I'm doing well and I have to say Good. since we last spoke I don't think a day went by where we didn't have people saying is there any update on Patrick yeah. and Adrian how they were getting on and when we last spoke there was a big shout out to see if we could get them a place to live and, and we would a number of fairness to our listeners had suggested um, possible offers of yeah. houses for Patrick and Adrian but I believe they just weren't suitable. No, do you know,
5: people were extremely generous that the call you put out was answered with, oh, to so many different suggestions. And and genuinely, we had three or four offices of, of houses. That the difficulty was location with some of them. And when I say location, I don't mean, oh, well, we don't want to live there. Far from that. It's just that they have got significant challenges. And Adrian has got significant health challenges, which means he needs to be near the people who back him up. He has a lot of backup from headway, which is the acquired head injury uh, people. Um Vincent instance to pull back them up you now they would have moved with them of course but there's also quite a lot of hospital and doctor's appointments so, so anything remote whilst they're used to their own space and I, I think possibly a housing estate wouldn't have suited them it just, they just need to be near the places that are the people and the places such as the hospitals and doctors that are propping them up along the way So in so and
2: around the city and ideally in and around Blarney well,
5: exactly, because this this has become their home, albeit not a home that we, we want them to be living in. But but again, everybody that offered, even people who just said, "Oh, you know what? I've a bundle of towels here. Would they like it? Yeah. Oh, I've a house here. You know," there's such kindness, such genuine kindness. So to each and every person that offered. Thank you. If we didn't take you up on it, it was either because, one, they've got nowhere to restore the towels or the house just didn't suit. But it meant so much to them to know that, that somebody actually cared and, and cared enough to do something about it.
2: But there is a bit of an update.
5: be oh, a fabulous
2: update. Yeah, Go on. Yeah.
5: So, so we tried and tried and then oh, I skipped the stage. that what are we going to do? Because we, we were kind of running out of options. So they are on a site. Um, which is quite nice. It's in between Blarney and Grenard, so they're quite near to... And the city, of course. So they're 10 minutes from everywhere. And they've been living there for a number of years. And they can remain on that site. So Blarney Castle Estate had offered them um, accommodation, which wasn't suitable for different reasons. But but they were first out out of the... Past the post, actually, to be fair. Um, But when we turned that down, they kept coming at us. And they, they... we did a GoFundMe and people very generously put money in a GoFundMe. So we have about 2,000 euro in a GoFundMe. Vincent de Paul are very generously helping out as they so often do behind the scenes in so many situations we know nothing about. But we still haven't got enough. So Blarney Castle Estate are giving us a mobile for the contribution we can make towards it financially. A beautiful, beautiful mobile home that you or I would live in that has got two bedrooms, um, a fully kitted out bathroom and shower room, a sitting room. It's just Absolutely lovely, um, so of course we took the hand off from that, so <laughs> that that that's the, so them primarily Vincent always in the background. All the many, many people who put money into our GoFundMe. Then we had a problem, how we are going to get it there? And that was another race on Jura. Of course, we haven't got a bean. Um, so Willie O'Brien, the great Willie O'Brien, the councillor, uh, Damien Boylan and John Sheehan, could, could hit the phones at the weekend. And Willie O'Brien has agreed to move it for nothing, which is a massive undertaking. Well done, Willie. Um, yeah, you know what? Well done, everybody. I, a lot of the well done, actually. They've they've got, they work with a lady in Headway called Marion. And... um she was like a terrier there was no way she was going to let this go and she kept coming at us because a lot of people have been engaged with with these guys I mean I'm a tiny tiny cog in this wheel um and we've come and gone because other things distract you and it's not our job and you're working and and things go by the by but there was no way she was going to let this go until until these gentlemen were sorted and treated as they should be so you know what she kind of kicked us all and kept kicking and kept kicking and kept kicking she's 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 superb. They're very lucky to have her in well their
2: corner. Done. That's Mar- Mar- yeah. in Hedway. Well done. That's oh, so Marilyn Headway. Well done. So we now have this wonderful mobile mm. that gets moved to the site. Electricity and water?
5: Oh God, I'm learning as I'm going along. There Apparently there is water there and there is... so. We're working on that today to find out where to site it so we can access it because last week I was saying, God, what will we do? Will we get like a compost toilet? But obviously there's a lovely bathroom in there so we want to use it. So that seems to be happening. That's today's thing. Right. Electricity, we're looking at maybe some kind of a small generator because Vince DePaul had already Given them a gas cooker so that'll be running off gas so the electricity needs will be minimal so we think maybe a small generator or you can get these kind of things that that mobile homes actually use like a leisure thing but it'll be something that possibly has to be topped up but again um, they are in regular contact with Vincent Paul who will keep on top of that for them and with them and help them with things like that so we're not quite there, there's a few boxes to tick, I've no idea how and I've no idea where we're going to get the money but you know what Patricia, it'll happen and they're nearly, I mean to think that this time next week that those two gentlemen will be sitting in their, their sitting room putting the kettle on which they haven't been able to do for a long time in a warm house looking out into the place that has become their home Um, you know their little dog will have somewhere to sleep isn't it just isn't it just how life should Uh, be for everybody and a
2: lot of it while you know you've named the key people who've been fantastic Mm. but some of it as well is the kindness of strangers it's a massive,
5: a massive part. Yeah. Oh, it couldn't have been done. I mean, the GoFundMe, all these, like there was somebody who put money in from Abu Dhabi. They'd heard about it. Don't ask me how. And they said, oh, just thinking of these guys, because after you, you and David were it on uh, your radio shows, and then Liz Dunphy picked it up on the Examiner. So it really went out. And the kindness of strangers, I think, look, let's be honest, that's the grace of God goes all. I'm not yeah. in my lovely house because I'm better. I'm in my lovely house because I'm luckier. And if I don't do something with that luck and you don't do something well you know what Patricia we don't deserve it and And poor old you know Patrick
2: Patrick is the dad I mean just such a gorgeous gorgeous man looking after his son Adrian and you know Adrian has this acquired head injury because of the accident that's
5: right you know his
2: life was suddenly turned upside down and his life will never return to the way it was before the accident and that's where his dad steps in you know he'll always be his little boy even though he's a grown man you know
5: and the mother was there. I mean, their mother is, you know, she dies during lockdown, which was a massive blow to them because even though I think she wasn't living with... um Adrian's father Patrick, they were great friends and she did an awful lot for the lads so they were living there, I think it was more circumstances uh, had them living separately than anything else not that that's any of my business but they were very good, they were two very good parents and and very good to each other and to Adrian, so they had that loss as well this year, you know so you just kind of go, God can, can, can they be kicked in any other way so you know what, at least now they don't have to move too far away, as in they can stay where they were, which is really important, that's a bit of stability they'll have this lovely warm home but they also now know that they're neighbours. I mean, you introduced me as an actress. I'm not. I'm actually just a neighbour of theirs.
3: OK, and my this apologies.
5: Is no, no. Oh, yeah. no, don't get me wrong. It was very kind of you. But, but like, really, do you know what we are? We're just neighbours looking after neighbours. Yeah. Because isn't that how it should be? Absolutely. No, no thank you. And You're I think kind, if, but,
2: if, but, if nothing else, that's what I think COVID-19 has, has shown us. It's just everybody helping yeah. out and offering yeah. that hand of friendship. And when somebody is down... Giving them a little bit of a lift up because you know, as we both said, there. But for the grace of God, go, go, any of us, go, go, any of us. Uh, so it's 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 a good news story in the Monday. It's always great to have good news in the Monday. Is the GoFundMe page still up and running? Yes, it is, and, we're, and
5: we and we're. If anybody does still want to give, um, we would be much appreciated. There are still the generators and stuff to buy. I'm sure the money will come because people, you know, what if you put the right thing out. It, it always does come as you know you must have done thousands of appeals during your career in the radio but yes if anybody does want to give we would still gratefully very gratefully accept it on their behalf and what's
2: the cause um, what's they go the uh, go fund if, they, if
5: they're just going to go for me and look for a home for Patrick and Adrian home oh, for come Patrick
2: off. and Adrian um, yeah.
5: and, and Patricia thank you because without you highlighting it without the, without the media getting behind this you know you, you exist in a vacuum you know if if we can't let people know they can't help so this is only happening through the kindness of and the kindness of those of you who gave it your time and your passion well, that to get the was, message that, out. That so was our
2: you. pleasure. Pass on our very best wishes to Patrick mm, and sure to, to Adrian. And we'll talk again, Kate. Thanks for that. Thank you very much. Thanks it's a million. Again. God, but mind right. yourself. Right. Take care. That is uh, Kate Durant helping out that Patrick Walsh and his son, Adrian, who has a disability because of that accident. They were just in such horrendous conditions. I mean, it was just beyond belief. I mean, to hear Patrick, the dad, talk about, you know, lying in bed and hearing the rats underneath them and knowing in the morning when they got up every bit of clothes that they would have there'd be holes in the clothes and if, if there's any bit of food at all it was gone it was been eaten away by the rats it was just dreadful so mo- brand new whatever the brand new was brand new for them a mobile home it'll keep them safe and secure as we head into the winter months so thank you because so many people the last time we covered this story people were on with offers from all over the county people were being really really kind trying to come up with a suggestion of a property that would be ideal I mean initially we put the word out we were hoping to get a house for them a house for rent that they could live in that's what we were hoping to do but the- I remember at the time Patrick had said, if somebody could come up with it was a caravan, he was looking for a little bit more secure than the disused bus that they were living in with the windows had come in over the years and all. It was just shocking shocking uh, to think that these two men were living you know here in just outside of Blarney you know in our in our own beautiful county that somebody could be living in in conditions such as they've been living in, so hopefully it's coming to an end now in the next couple of days they'll be warm and snug in that new mobile home so thank you to everybody who's helped out but as I say if you do want to donate in any way you can by going to their GoFundMe page A home for Patrick and Adrian 1850 103 John Paul and Sadie are taking your calls you can text her WhatsApp 0862 103
0: Record today on
2: Scene 103
0: Call Patricia with your comment
2: 1850 103 Now like so many events this year the annual well, make Your Mark on Cancer Walk was postponed due to the ongoing COVID-19 pandemic. The walk normally sees hundreds of people walk the 22 kilometres from the Viaduct Inn to the Town Hall in Bandit. Now, the walk was initially set up to remember Mark Prendergast, who passed away from testicular cancer back in 2012. And his brother, Owen Prendergast, joins me this morning to outline what they're going to do this year instead. Good morning to you, Owen. Good morning, Patricia. How are you? I'm very well and you're welcome to the programme. Now, you you could have just said, OK, we won't do anything this year, but you've decided, no, you want to do something. So you've decided to hold a virtual event. Can you explain what you're looking for people to do this year?
6: Yeah, this year we just wanted to have a virtual event, just to kind of keep the name out there and also to um, support uh, Mercy um, Fundraising because... Like as as you can imagine, though, with uh, the pandemic and everything, on charities are especially suffering. So we just want to do a little bit. Um, so this year we are we ha- have an app kind of system going, where you can uh, go to the uh, fundraising dot website. You can download uh, uh, an app there, and you'll just basically walk um, any
0: selling a little.
7: Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com.
5: Uh, excuse me. You just need to um,
6: walk 22 kilometers in your own time or, and track your uh, pace with your app, your Fitbit app, or your phone.
2: So you can do it all in one go, or you You're could do go you go could do two kilometres. Two yeah, yeah,
6: yeah, no problem at all.
2: Okay, and and obviously the real plus to this one, Owen, is you can do it anywhere in the world.
6: You can, of course, yeah. I have like friends in Australia, friends in America. They're all taking part in it. You know, um, people go for walks before work or after work. That people take walks under lunch, they can they can just track this. You could, do, you could track 20 times and make up your 22 kilometres or you could do it all in one go. No problem at all.
2: And any level of fitness and families could do it together. It's a, it's a, it's a terrific Absolutely. idea.
6: You can run it, you can walk it, whatever you feel.
2: Was it tough on the family own not to be able to hold the event in July?
6: Um, it was. It was, you know. Um, like we were just so used to it you now. We got it kind of streamlined and you know, it kind of feels like we're, we're kind of giving back as well for all the great work that the done for, for us and for my brother. Um, so yeah it was a bit tough but with everything going on you know um, I think this is this is a good a good balance you know
2: yeah because I remember like when you organised the first walk back in it was the year after Mark died in, in 2013 I mean did you ever think that it would raise the amount of money that it has raised did, it, did I did mean close to 350,000 euro just from this walk
6: yeah it's absolutely insane we not, not in our wildest dreams that we think this would, this would go this big you know um, we we actually created the, the first walk. It just kind of, just to kind of, again, just say thank you to the, the Mercy Hospital for it. And we thought, look, we take our minds off the, the pain of losing Mark and kind of maybe distract us. But after, um, after the one year being so successful, and the next year and the next year, and the support we got, the amount of walkers, sponsors, everything, it's just, it was a no-brainer just to keep it going, keep it going.
2: Do you think Mark would be amazingly proud of I, th- I think he
6: would yeah. I think he would uh, and, uh, I, think he'd, I think he'd be delighted that his, his name is still up in lights anyway It's
2: the fact that his name make your mark on cancer is, exactly. is it it's yeah. clever it, re- it really is uh, <laughs> clever Do you have any idea how the money raised from this year will be spent by the Mercy Hospital Foundation Have they told you what they hope to do with it? Or? Yeah
6: well funds will support the psycho-oncology service and that helps patients with their emotional and mental health so, you know um, uh. One in three uh, cancer patients experience depression or high anxiety during their cancer journey. So a service like this really helped them through it, you know. And there's other areas of that Mercy that they they put it out to also, you know, to, to help fund the Mercy uh, Cancer Care Centre, which is uh, in development.
2: And I think during this pandemic, your heart would go out to anyone who is on a cancer journey during the pandemic. Uh,
6: absolutely, absolutely. I mean know if they're in the hospital and they on their own and they 're suffering, and it 's limited family if any can come in and keep your company and just be there with you, it must be extremely, extremely tough
2: yeah, it was only last Friday actually I spoke with a young mother who Carol, who was sharing her story, and that was the one thing her the way she described sitting outside the door of the hospital with her husband on the first day she was going in for chemotherapy, and all he could do was drive her as far as the door and she crying going in there on her own and, you know, in normal times he'd have been there holding her hand and, you know, just stressful. It's really, really hard. Really, really hard. Uh, So you can see how somebody on a cancer journey would start to get very depressed. So that's why what the Mercy Hospital hope to do with this money is is going to really, really help people. Okay, and so for people who want to get involved they need to go on to the ie,
6: and they can find links there or else they can go on to our facebook page if they find that at make a mark on c and and then you'll find links there um and there's a couple of options for people like i mean ideally we'd like them to create their own fundraising page only a couple of clicks and you'll be done in a few minutes um but if and they can ask their friends or family work colleagues to sponsor them or there's another option where they can just donate twenty five euros, I believe, and they can just uh, still do the walk. And but those of those people who do and create their fundraising page and raise over a hundred euros, there's uh, a a mark medal at the end of it for them. Basically.
2: Well done, well done, as a as a kind of a thank you. Uh, and uh, and ideally you. for people to do it uh, during this the month of October, isn't it? You'd like to get it all. Done yeah, and dusted, yeah, yeah,
6: exactly. Okay. Look, you know, there's there's still quite some time left. You know, okay. And if you look, if you're if you are too getting busy and you don't have enough time to f- finish it, or you don't think you'd do it in time, you could still go ahead and do it. I mean, there is no time restraints, really, like, you know.
2: And I'm will you gonna, be gonna, back not, out? You off. Will you be back out with your walk next July, please God? Please
6: God, we will yeah. Please <laughs> God, I mean, we still have people asking about it. Thank God, and it's still fresh in people's minds. So. And it's a good, it's a great community spirit as well with everybody coming out. And I think people really not only enjoy helping, but they really enjoy the walk as well.
2: Yeah. And um, please God, the sun will be shining. It'll be a great day. There all right. Go. Listen, stay safe, uh, Owen, and kind regards to all of the family. And thanks a million for joining us on the programme this morning. Thanks very much for joining. Good morning you. to you. Bye bye. Yeah. Owen Prendergast there on behalf of the Make Your Mark on Cancer. Merci fundraising.ie if you would like to take part. It's in a great, great cause. John Paul and Sadie are taking your cause at 1850-333-103. Text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103. Talking 103 103. earlier about people in nursing homes and serial testing going on off staff and I specifically asked Ty Daly, was it mandatory? Because I always thought it was mandatory and it's not, even though he said that the vast majority of people who work in a nursing home, realise why this testing every two weeks of staff is so important because it is well, to protect themselves but it is in the main to protect the residents and he said over 90% of people who work in a nursing home if they're asked to take a COVID-19 test every two weeks the vast majority are doing it and that certainly is good to hear and that prompted a listener who is a home help staff home support workers as they're called to say we are not being tested whatsoever I've asked my boss says Margaret and they've told no they haven't been instructed to do so this came up actually Margaret last week on the programme uh, as well but Margaret says we have been offered a a free flu vaccine and I don't know if that was always the case but judging by Margaret's comments it certainly is the case uh, this year. And then Nora is looking for advice. Can anybody help Nora please? Completely nothing to do with COVID-19 you You'll be glad to hear. A stray dog keeps coming into our Nora's garden and then he is having a go at Nora's dog and I'm assuming when she says he's then at her dog he's trying to attack her dog. Now she's phoned the guardie before who did do an intervention obviously came up in some way and I don't know whether they removed the dog or what did they do but she said I can't keep doing that can't keep bringing the guardi every time a stray dog comes wandering into the garden to have a go at her dog she said is there any advice on anything else that she can do so now I don't know where Nora is calling from I don't know what part of the city or county she's from but I'm assuming that this has happened to other people a stray dog and No, Nora, obviously it's been going on for a while so it is a genuine stray dog. It doesn't belong to... If it belongs to somebody in the area you could maybe go and call to the person and say do you realise your dog is roaming the neighbourhood and ending up attacking my dog every day. But if anybody has advice for Nora as to what she can do about a stray dog coming into her garden and attacking her dog... Any advice on what you can do to stop the dog coming in or getting the dog rehomed or something? I don't know what the answer is. 1850 333 103. Questions for Annalise, please keep those coming. Text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103.
0: This is Cork Today. Cork Today. With Patricia Messenger on C103. Cork's greatest
3: hits. C103. Okay
2: to the listener who was it Nora who was the problem with the stray dog coming into her garden she has contacted the gardie before who did intervene but she can't keep doing that can't keep bringing the gardie every time the stray dog wanders into her garden and then as a go at her dog somebody has suggested that what uh, Nora needs to do is contact the dog warden and that they should be able to sort it out or certainly be able to give her advice yes yeah, so I don't know if she's in the city or county but this, both the city and county have dog wardens if Nora wants to do that it's a, it's a good suggestion and see how she gets on with that okay some more of your whatsapps coming in to us S- schools this is on um, we now know that schools will not be taking an extended mid-term break later this month. This had been mooted last week as a possibility of a way of restricting the movement of children was the reason it was suggested that the midterm break at Halloween would be an extra week onto the end of it, but it's not going to happen. It's not going to go ahead. We had it confirmed at the weekend by a number of people, but I think the first person to confirm it wasn't going to happen was the Minister for Health, Stephen Donnelly, who said, no, midterm break will be one week and one week only. And again, reiterating that the priority of the government and an effort is to keep the schools open and how important it is to keep the schools open particularly for people children in disadvantaged areas they they are they suffer more when schools close than children from advantaged areas somebody said schools should stay open it's so important for the children for the students and for their minds and for their lives to have some kind of normality they've been home long enough and being inside is simply not good for them delighted to hear that the government is not going to run with that suggestion of giving them an extra week off. On the wearing of masks, still getting a lot in on this. Jackie says, Patricia, for those who find mask wearing difficult, a little bit of eucalyptus oil on the inside of the mask helps. I shall try that one, Jackie. Alternatively, have a mint or a fisherman's friend in your mouth. It also helps. There's another. There's some good tips. Thank you for that, uh, Jackie. If anybody wants to share tips, because a lot of people just find the wearing of masks, so, so difficult. And people want to do the right thing. Absolutely, people want to do the right thing. And we wear the masks. we give out about it, but we all wear the masks. So it is it is important uh, to do it. Keep your questions coming in, please, for Annalise. I can see a number of questions coming in. Keep those coming. Annalise will join us after half past 12. I've just spotted a text in from my niece, Laura, who is on a Corkcation in Inshidali. Good to have you along and listening, uh, Laura, and hope you have a lovely time on your Cork-cation. Hi, Patricia. What else is coming in? There are questions for Annalise. This is from Padder. Padder is commenting on John's suggestion earlier about introducing a level five lockdown. Now, Pattern makes the point that lockdown suits some people as they already live in a similar situation all year round. They're already in a level five. I mean, we do know that. We we do know there are older people who went into lockdown when the cocooning was mentioned back in March who have remained there. They haven't come out. They're still having shopping delivered. They might go out for a small walk just in their local area. They're not socialising. They're very much keeping up the social distancing and they're literally having nobody come to their they're not having any visitors into their house or they're not visiting anywhere else so Paddy making the point there are people that so level five wouldn't make any difference to a cohort of people but Paddy says the penny is starting to drop with our government though controlling the virus and keeping our economy moving that's all that they can do, but they need to do it in tandem only. And I think that's one of the points that came out this day, last week, when the government started to discuss what Neffert had suggested about moving into level five. That was the one thing I took from it, listening to both Leo Varadkar and Michal Martin and any of the other ministers, was we simply couldn't, can't afford to go into a full lockdown. Is it going to? I'm not, and that's not to rule out that it won't happen into the future, but they're looking at the monetary aspect of forcing so many people to not go to work have to give up their job for a business to close for whatever period of time and how much money they'd have to borrow in order to put those people back up, on, back on a COVID-19 payment. And then there was the the added problem that no other country in Europe has gone back into lockdown. We have to look to Europe, we have to look to the markets in Europe in order to borrow the money that we're borrowing now on a daily basis to keep the country going. And there was a danger that if we went back into a full lockdown when the government would go to try to borrow the money, what if they didn't get the money? There wouldn't be money then to pay the teachers, to pay the doctors, to pay the army, the guard the, any of the public servants. The money simply wouldn't be there. So Padder is right. They have to try to balance controlling the virus and keeping the economy moving. And it isn't a job. I would fancy doing it, wasn't it? Dr. Paul O'Sullivan earlier made the very same point and he coming at it from a medical point of view but understands having to keep the economy going. He said he wouldn't fancy uh, the job either. Stephen said, I visited a supermarket uh, yesterday Four different people not wearing a mask. I may not leave them off the next time without commenting, said Stephen. And some people are being very brave about approaching people saying, why aren't you wearing a mask? But Stephen, you're going to have to, if you do decide to go down that route of confronting somebody to not wearing a mask, you may get to hear from somebody who's got a medical condition that claims that they can't wear a mask, even though Audrey, one of our listeners, says, tell them wear a visor instead, are... You could end up confronting somebody who is in the anti-mask brigade who could get very cross with you, very aggressive with you. So do be careful if you decide to challenge people who are not wearing masks. I mean, as I say, I mentioned it at the top of the programme because when I was out of the weekend, I could not get over. I didn't come across one person in any shop that I was in. was not There wasn't one person not wearing a mask and I started to notice the number of people who are wearing masks out on the street, which technically you don't have to, you can if you want to, and if you feel safer, I think probably people are doing that. but I certainly, when I have been in shops before where people weren't wearing a mask, just move away from them literally I just give them a wide berth in case they are shedding the virus. I certainly don't want to pick it up from them. Noel says, I'm here in Skibbereen. The local villages are starting to fill up, this is according to Noel, with Dublin cars. That's why our cases are rising because they're all down here. Now again, whenever I mention that there's extra Dublin cars, we get people saying, I live in West Cork I happen to drive a Dublin car but I think what Noel is saying is these are not local people because if you're in a small village you know everyone, you'll know if Johnny up the road has a Dublin registered Fiat, you're, you know you know that that's Johnny's car but if suddenly there's a lot of other cars surfacing with D reges on it, that does frighten people but then when I was speaking with Dr Paul O'Brien who's based in Bantry and when he says they're seeing a rise now and they're he and the other doctors are saying it is because of college students coming home at the weekend from the city or from other parts of Ireland and they're coming back to West Cork. I jokingly said with the washing for mammy, I don't know if that's the reason they're coming home to see their their family and their friends as well, but no doubt there's the bag of washing there as well. But he said, when I asked him about during the summer months when we were all staycationing and there was a lot of people went to West Cork and we were constantly getting calls in saying the amount of cars and people with different accents who were in West Cork and people were very nervous that they were all going to be bringing the virus with them, particularly anyone with a Dublin accent. And he said they didn't see it, that if holidaymakers were coming and they did come in great numbers to West Cork, they must have either stayed on their own or there were people who had been very careful and made sure that when they were going on holidays that they hadn't been near anyone who possibly could have had the virus because he said they didn't see it during the summer months and I thought that was interesting but they're seeing it now but he said it's because of local people having their own family coming back from college at the weekend Meg is saying if everyone could just stay at home then we could employ more people to start doing deliveries we need to get better about social distancing too many people are out and about Joan says good morning Patricia was there mass in Ballyhay yesterday no as far as I know there was mass nowhere yesterday and this maybe was a funeral mass but certainly public masses are not now allowed to be held and others there was the push we'll try and follow up on that this week if we can because we mentioned it last week that the the four archbishops from around the country were all hoping to meet with. The Taoiseach, Miho Martin, and they want to ask for public mass to be allowed. Churches at the moment are open for private prayer, but no masses are all all religious service, not just masses, they have all gone uh, back online. And then what else is into us here? On I've done that one. Anthony was watching the RT News last Friday night, and Katrina Perry was presenting the 6 1 from Derry. But Anthony said for many people, including his good self, he was worried about COVID-19 and the many people battling mental health due to COVID-19. Why did RTE decide to send Katrina Perry to Derry? She actually bragged that she hadn't been stopped by any guardie on the journey between Dublin and Derry. Anthony worries that that might encourage other people to say, it's okay to go from county to county. Did Katrina Perry get up to Derry and nobody stopped her? Also, he's noticed that the weekend there was a group of cyclists who were cycling together. He reckoned there was 18, so it was obviously a cycling group. Are you allowed 18 out together? I it was only 15 was the number outdoors. Anyway, he said they were all talking and shouting at each other. You, you know, they were communicating each other while they were out on, on their bikes. And he's wondering about cycling and how safe is all of that. And should they collectively as a group, it must be the cycling club, I'm, assu- I'm assuming, should they all be out together? I don't know what area that was in, but um, Anthony speaking about that. I know there was, there was a lot of criticism I saw online. There was an amount of criticism of Katrina Perry going to, to Derry. Now, I know the reason that they did it was there was that huge spike in numbers in Northern Ireland, but people were saying, do they really need to have her in an area that had so much COVID-19? And Was she not putting herself at risk by being up there as well? And the crew that would have went with her, bearing in mind that RTA have their own Northern Ireland reporters already up there. Was there any real need? Pat says, uh, Hi, I was around for Moy at the weekend and it surprised me as well the amount of people that were wearing masks out and about, a bit like what I was saying. Pat says, I think it's probably time now that we did make it compulsory because Pat says, I don't think people would really mind. So we'll put that out, Pat, to other listeners. We know it's compulsory inside in shops at the moment or in enclosed areas where you can't Guarantee you're going to be two metres away from people. How would you feel if Nefit made the recommendation and government took it on board that you had to wear a face covering everywhere? No matter where you are, whether you're outside going for a walk or a run or a cycle, picking the children up from school. How would you feel if it became compulsory? And it is compulsory in other countries. They have introduced that, the wearing of masks. Outside, How would people feel? I would welcome your thoughts on that. 1850-333-103. And there was a query in, and my apologies, this came in earlier and I'm only getting to it now from a listener. Hi, Patricia, do you know if a married couple under the age of 70 With one getting the state pension, are they entitled to a free television licence? Uh, No, you're not, because you've got to be over 70. Okay, if you're over 70, you can get a free television licence. It's part of the household benefits package. Now, some people under the age of 70 may qualify... But only if you qualify for the Household Benefits Package and a free licence. So you're going to have to apply to the Household Benefits pack Package. But generally speaking, old age pensioners don't get the free licence until they reach the age of 70 unless they're entitled to the Household Benefits Package. So if you want to try, you can get on to the Department of Social Welfare and see if you're eligible. And if you're eligible under the Household Benefits Package, then you will be awarded a free TV uh, licence. So you can check that out. But generally speaking, it's over the age of 70. But that's not to say some people under the age of 70 don't get it as well. 1850 333 103. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council. Supporting businesses. Supporting communities. Serving Cork.
1: Visit corkcoco.ie.
2: Kildanary Community Development, they're holding their weekly lottery draw. It'll be held this coming Thursday, four o'clock in the afternoon and that's in the community office. This week's jackpot is €1,200. And the Irish Cancer Society, they are looking for volunteer drivers to help transport cancer patients to and from the hospital chemotherapy treatments. Volunteers are needed to work in Cork to Help keep this vital service running. The role is weekdays only, but you must be able to commit to a full day when driving. All drivers must have a roadworthy vehicle, an active email address, and a valid driver's license. If you're interested, you can find out more by logging on to the Irish Cancer Society's website. Or today on
0: C103. Text or WhatsApp
2: Patricia with your comment. 086
0: 2103 103. 103.
2: Just to wrap up on some of your texts coming in before we go to Annalise Dressel, keep your nutritional questions coming for Annalise uh, please Uh, 1850 333 103 Michael says Patricia hi I was shocked when I saw the statistics for the cervical smear tests over the weekend there was 110,000 appointments sent to women and just under 12,000 people showed up for the smear test my god that is more deadly for women than any COVID-19 I still cannot get my head around the Fact that they wouldn 't show up for an important test, it is something they it is something that should not and cannot be overlooked in any circumstances. Thank you, says michael we 're hoping actually to do an interview about it this week in order to try to encourage women who would have got a call to say you are due for your smear test. Please come forward because what happens is the letter goes out and then it's up to you to contact your doctor. It's usually the practice nurse inside and your doctor's practice does it for you. But yeah, it it came in as just a little bit over 10% of people who when they started resuming cervical check again because obviously it stopped during lockdown and people who were due smear tests, you know, couldn't get a smear test I actually thought the opposite, Michael, was going to be the case. I thought there was going to be a rush on people going to get their smear tests. So, yeah, like you, I was taken aback. I actually saw the piece, I think I saw it online over the weekend, and I had to do a double take, and I can't be reading that right, that out of 110,000, that only 10% of women came forward, but it is true. So we will be, we're hoping to do something this week on that, just as a way of a push, I think, to try to encourage women. And I'm assuming one of the reasons is that people are afraid of going into a GP practice. Is that is could that be, and even if that is the reason, it seems scarily low the amount of women that came forward with, with everything that we know, with everything that we know about cervical cancer and Vicky Phelan and Emma Vic Mahuna who's passed away and all of the other women who so bravely came out and told their stories because... They got it wrong with their survival. the results of their survival check. So we know how important it is and that it does, it absolutely does save lives. So thank you, Michael, for that. But absolutely, absolutely, we are going to be doing something on uh, that. OK, somebody's telling me there's a 20 minute delay on the bypass in Clonakilty. Is that just standard? We'll see if we can find out what's going on there. Thank you for that too. whichever listener has sent that in. Uh, on the wearing of masks, I would wear a mask on the street as well says Joe in Manway. Considering the virus is airborne, it could easily be transmissible if somebody is walking past you on the pavement. We even walk on the road to give us extra room. Anything, says Joe, Anything to reduce the risk, Joe, is very much in uh, favour of. Liz says, when I was a teenager, I washed my own clothes. These young students coming home at the weekend to get their washing done, would they ever cop on? And the mums, tell them grow up, tell them to do their own washing, says. I was being a bit flippant, though, about the students. I don't know if every student comes home with a bag of washing, do they? It's just we know that they're coming home at the weekend and the danger now is they're bringing the virus back with them. Evelyn says, this is on lockdown and whether we need to go into another lockdown or not. Evelyn says, my husband has been working from home from the past seven months. He is finding it so difficult on his mental health, uh, says uh, Evelyn. And Evelyn, can I say to you and on behalf of your husband and everybody else he's not on his own there are a lot of people who are really struggling with this idea of working from home working from home certainly is suiting some people and some people think it's the best thing since sliced, since sliced bread but there are other people who find it extremely difficult and like that it's becoming a mental health issue and I think it's only when work is taken from you and then suddenly you're at home you know, staring in your computer screen, you're you're still technically able to do the job that you were doing, but you're missing out. Um, It's the social aspect of going to work. It's the, you know, the chat you have when you're making the cup of coffee. It's the bit of banter. I mean, there's very few of us here in the building at work now compared to what it was before. COVID started but even in the mornings it's you know it's the first thing oh, what you do at the weekend what you get up to what you watch on TV it's the small little things but it's just all it's a social interaction and when you have people working at home and even though they have the Zoom calls and people, are, people are telling they're sick of Zoom calls and there's Zoom meetings and all of that going on but it's not the same it isn't that engagement so yeah, your husband is is not on his own, Evelyn. Tell him keep an eye on it, keep an eye on his mental health and obviously the fact that you've got an awareness of it. No doubt you're keeping an eye on him as well. And hopefully, hopefully it won't be for too much longer and he can get back into wherever he is, the office, wherever it is, he's working and everything will be OK again. Martin in for Moy. This was on the notion of the school's where the school's going to close for, t- for two weeks We're now we're told that they're not uh, Martin says Patricia with the schools only getting one week off for Halloween that is absolutely great news but no child or teenager is going to be staying indoors what are they going to do they're going to be out and about meeting up with their pals like young people always do I think this the school going children and the teenagers I think they are the ones who should be put on a curfew would others agree that we should put our children and young people on some sort of a curfew that they're not allowed out, particularly the fact that we're two weeks it'll be two weeks today that they will be on their midterm break for one week. eighteen fifty three 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 one oh three. Mary on the wearing of masks. Mary said, I have been wearing my mask outside. I've been doing it for quite some time now. I noticed quite a lot of people are doing it too. It should be mandatory to wear a mask in public places outside as well. It is the only way to try and prevent the spread of COVID-19, obviously, along with the washing of hands, says Mary. So there's another person. It's amazing, actually, just looking at some of the texts coming in, the numbers of people who are saying that they would like to see the mandatory wearing of masks outside as well as their inside at the moment, what people are saying now. Yeah, and I know other countries are certainly doing it. Hi, Patricia. It is great that the primary and secondary schools are going to be opened and only closed for one week what about college students? What about their mental health? They should have opened the colleges for at least the first years. Those poor students have been stuck at home since March. What well, a d- dreadful year they've had. I feel so sorry for them. They've missed out on so much. This is the Leaving Cert class of uh, 2020, says a texture. Well, on the whole thing of college students, some college students have are not still at home now. Obviously, the first years, maybe they are. But suddenly there are third-level students who have gone to college, have gone back up, like from the county, have moved up to the city, have moved to Dublin, to Limerick, to Galway, to, to Lee, to wherever their college is based, even though we now know that the majority of those students are now doing... its not I can't even say it's a blended learning. They're all doing it online. And I saw at the weekend that the Minister for State for Higher Education, that's Niall Collins, he actually came out and said the third level students who had paid for accommodation up front should be refunded. Third level students were originally supposed to be offering this blended experience where students would spend some time in a lecture and they'd spend the other time off campus. And then we were told that the first two weeks of college was going to be all done online but then they'd go back. But then over the last week or two many colleges have come out and said no it's unlikely that any lectures are going to happen, certainly not this side. UCC were one of the first out saying there won't be any lectures until the new year certainly between now and Christmas. But a lot of students had already moved into their accommodation so now the minister for state, for further education is saying that those students should absolutely be refunded. He said anyone who paid for student accommodation in full or up front, he said should be fully refunded. So I I don't know, are any parents looking for their students to come back home and say you're not going to stay in the halls of residence or wherever you are and instead come back home and get their their money back. But then you have to weigh that up with what we discussed this morning. If you're bringing the students back, if they're in an area that has, say, high rates of COVID-19, are you in danger of bringing the COVID-19 back home into the county? It really is a balancing act. 1850 333 103. We're going to take a break and we're back with Annalise Dressel of the Health Hub Times Square and Balancholic answering all of your nutritional questions. Cork today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850 333 103. And can I wish the very best to Lucy who sent in a lovely text to say off to Kinsale on a Cork today uh, before starting back into chemotherapy. I'm just as excited as if I was going anywhere else in the world. And that's from Lucy in Drimmer League and no doubt the good people of Kinsale will look after you Lucy and that you will have a wonderful uh, cork uh, enjoy. And somebody is asking, Margaret is on about is the old age pension going to be paid weekly, shortly? It is. It's in the next number of weeks. I've just asked Sadie to do a quick check to get a definitive date but I saw that at the weekend the decision has been made to return all the bi-monthly payments. Some of them had returned to weekly but others had stayed and I know one of the ones that had stayed uh, certainly was the old age pensioners but they are going to revert to a weekly payment so just hang in there Margaret and I will get that exact date for you. Let me go to Annalise Drussell because we have a lot of questions in. Annalise is at the Health Hub Times Square in Valancholic. Uh, good afternoon to you, Good afternoon. Patricia. And you are welcome and there's lots and lots of questions in. Let me go straight uh, to the um, I'm trying to see ones that came in earlier because these are people that got their questions in nice and early so I do like to get to those first if I can. Let me go down on down the list here. Okay. Hi. Uh, question please. Could you ask Annalise if insulin powder is good to take for ulcerated colitis and how often should I take it? Uh, enjoy your programme.
7: Okay. So um, inulin powder is a type of fibre that the good bacteria can thrive on. However, In some people, especially if they have a disrupted gut bacteria um, population, it can cause a lot of wind. So, while it is wonderful for ulcerative colitis, uh, because, you know, if the good bacteria are thriving, living on the inulin, they produce things called short-chain fatty acids, and these are brilliant for the health of the colon. So that's where it would be excellent for someone with ulcerative colitis. But the only way to know whether it'll suit you or not is to try it. And if you do get very uncomfortable wind, what I'd suggest is starting off with the very tip of a teaspoon and then very slowly over the course of a month or two, increase it up to a couple of teaspoons a day. But just bear in mind that if you get very bloated and very windy, it, that's what it's coming from. It's perfectly normal, but it just can cause unfortunate side effects. Okay,
2: and it's inulin. It's come up inulin, as
7: inulin. I-N-U-L-I-N.
2: Okay, a predictive text, obviously, has put it in as insulin. Okay, inulin. Hi, um, Annelise. could you recommend something for a six-month-old baby who's got very dry skin? It's cracked behind her knees and actually bleeding. Oh, the poor little thing. It's also on her face and hands. Oh, bless. That sounds,
7: so that sounds like eczema now. Yeah. Um, that's very dry skin. And what happens with eczema, Patricia, is that the cells, they kind of like they haven't been waterproofed really so that they become very dry and very easy to crack and of course in a lot of kids as well a lot of people eczema can be very itchy can cause terrible distress so when I see a six-month-old baby if the eczema has um, been there since birth it generally kind of holds up a flag to me that it's possibly a dairy issue if, if they've been bottle-fed. Now, if they've been breastfed, it's more complicated to figure it out because something's going through in the breast milk that is causing that immune response that's resulting in the eczema. And it can be a very hard one to pin down what it is. So what I normally suggest is to support the gut first and foremostly to try and minimize the effects of any food intolerance such as to dairy etc so get a good bacteria and one of the ones I use a lot here in the shop um, it's by a company called Biocare and they have four bacteria in there that were used in the Swansea baby study where they tested different different bacteria on things like eczema and asthma in babies so the Biocare one I think there's a baby bioflora one and there's an infantis one but if you just ask in your local health shop for the Biocare one um, for, for young children and babies they'll be able to figure it out for you. So that's working from the inside out. And then to to put this, to soothe the skin, um, there's two things that I get good feedback from here in the shop. One of them is the BioSkin, which is by a company called Salcura. It's a cream and it also comes in a spray that you can put on the affected area. Now, the only thing I would say about this is that there is a little bit of tea tree and lavender in there. So if the skin is very badly cracked, it can sting a bit. So there's another lovely one called by a company called Child's Farm, like the farm of a child, Child's Farm. And that one, I get good feedback and they have less sort of essential oils in it, so it's not as stingy. So try one of those. And then the last thing I would suggest is putting more fats in in the diet. So one way to get good fats into a baby is with avocados, because you can mash them up and you can put them in with everything. And they're full of the good fats. Um And try and get one avocado in a day to to put the fast in and you should notice the difference within six weeks.
2: Okay, good luck with it because it's it's awful to watch a little baby like that in in kind of pain as well. Hi Patricia, I'm a pensioner. Could you ask Annalise that I'm on a CalQ2 tablet and a blood pressure tablet but I have this smell coming from my nose since last year. I've tried using nasal sprays, it hasn't worked. I've never had any problem with my nose before. I wonder what the problem could be. Strange one
7: Very strange one Patricia Um, So I wonder So if the smell is coming in the nose I wonder is it coming up from the back of the throat You know is there a little bit of um, Or sinus possibly could be another thing There could be maybe a very slight infection up in the sinus so what I would suggest in this case is to do a rinse with a saline solution. Now, you can just use ordinary sea salt and dissolve it in boiling water and then let it cool down. And then the idea is that you string, uh, syringe it up in, through and around the nostrils. It's brilliant for people who suffer from sinus as well, Patricia, because it gives them a great keynote. Salt is one of the best um, disinfectants in the world, really. It kills a lot of bacteria and viruses. So that would be the first thing I'd suggest doing. And then... Um, If that's not helping, maybe then it's actually coming more from the stomach up through the throat and into the nose. That can happen as well. Um, Then one of the bacteria that lives in most of our stomachs, but if it overgrows, it can cause a very bad taste or very bad burp. Um, a kind of a eggy type of a burp or taste in the mouth that bacteria is called helicobacter pylori and in most people it's absolutely harmless but in some people it can, it can cause digestive issues so that might be another thing to work get checked out with your doctor they can do a breath test for that um it's very easy you just you know the local doctor will order it for you go down to the surgery and have it done and then the treatment tends to be antibiotic therapy
2: Okay, hi Annelies What could you suggest to help me get to sleep at night I'm awake all hours I don't want to go on sleeping tablets Oh
7: well, Patricia, if this now on weight loss If I could come up with the magic pill for these I'd be a very wealthy woman So a lot of people at the moment struggling with sleep um, And I've been actually getting the opportunity To test out a lot of the usual remedies To see what's working best And the strange thing is, is what will work for one person won't work for another. So you might need to work your way through a few things. The first thing I always suggest is um, valerian. Valerian is a lovely herb. It helps to kind of bring down that sort of adrenaline, busy body, busy brain. So it's very good to take before bed because it just puts you into a very sort of calm place so that you can drift off naturally. And the Dr. Vogel range do one called Dormazan. Um, You'll get it in any health store and that's mixed with some hops which can also make you a little bit drowsy. So that's the first thing to try. If that doesn't work I'm getting great feedback now on the cannabis oil. So the cannabis oil is great for anxiety or for stress where you feel that sort of jumpy stress feeling. Um, And certainly if you're going to bed with the busy brain and you're thinking, what do I need to do tomorrow? And, you know, should I have done this today type of a brain? So you can buy that in um, any health store. But the brand that I find works the best is the Cannabine Gold. And for some reason, it isn't the most expensive or the cheapest one. It's the middle one, which is the 10%. That seems to work really, really well for people. And you would just take that either before you go to bed or when you wake up in the middle of the night with the, the, the brain whirling. So that's another one to try and then some people do very well on melissa which is lemon balm so there is a company that do a supplement called melissa dream and it's a combination of a few different things including passiflora which is very good for putting you into a very calm relaxed state so maybe that could be another one to try as well
2: because yeah, for some people it's getting off to sleep for others it's keeping them asleep isn't it it can vary from person to person
7: can be. And actually, now that in Chinese medicine, if you're waking up at 2 or 3 o'clock at night, that's a liver. You know, your liver is very yeah. active and regenerating at that time. Sometimes I find as well, Patricia, if people aren't eating late at night and their blood sugar drops, they can wake up well. and all, all of a sudden be in a kind of a, you know, the adrenaline kicks in to bring blood sugar up and they feel then quite wide awake. So sometimes having a very small snack, like a pot of yogurt before you go to bed, is good. And the lovely thing about a pot of yogurt as well is that um the milk will have um a lot of things in it that are very conducive to a good night's sleep or there's actually a sleep there's a milk you can buy called nighttime milk mm. that um is higher in um, it's the one with melatonin
2: the, for the cows are yeah. milked at night yeah it's That's brilliant right. yeah it's brilliant okay julie wants to know is it okay to take vitamin d and vitamin c if you're taking cholesterol and aspirin for and blood pressure medication and if okay what doses should i be taking says julie
7: So absolutely safe to take with all of those. And it's very hard to know what dose because um, every individual is different. So I recommend that unless you have been shown to be very low in vitamin D in blood tests in previous tests, I would take 1,000 IUs of vitamin D a day. I think that's plenty. And then with vitamin C, it very much depends, like a lot of people take a very high dose of 1,000 a day, and some people may, might take any more. Now, the cheaper vitamin C, which is generally ascorbic acid, at 1,000 may make people feel a bit sick. So you might want to start with a lower dose and take it twice a day, so you could get 500, take one in the morning and one in the evening. But a 1,000 milligrams a day is a really, really high dose of vitamin C. So um, that would definitely cover your requirements.
2: Maria Mitchellstown, her 15-year-old daughter, bad appetite, doesn't eat that much. What would you recommend, uh, or, or tonic would you recommend for her? Teenage girl, bad eater?
7: Yes, yeah, so that one, there is a couple of ones that are very good for teens. Um, there, company, Irish company called Revive Active, they do um, a teenage Revive Active, which is really nice. It's got your basic vitamins and minerals in there, but it also has got some beta-glucans for the immune system and it has some good back- probiotic bacteria for the gut as well. So that's a very nice one just to make sure she's getting the essentials. Um, another one that I'm a big fan of is Oxylent because all kids will take it. It's a kind of a, comes in a sachet and you mix it up into a drink and it's very palatable. That's a wonderful supplement for... Um, anybody who's run down as well, because it's been formulated to be very well absorbed in the body. And for a teenager, a half a sachet should be more than enough. But if she was going through a particularly tired week, you could up it to the full sachet. um, And you'll get those in any health store. The Source of Life Gold... uh, I like that in the sense that everything in it comes from a food. So it's a very natural way of getting um, vitamins and minerals into somebody from food-based sources, especially if they're not getting those vegetable foods in their diet. The only thing I would say for a teenager is that there is a little bit of ginseng in there, and it might make them, um, you know, ginseng is always good to give you an energy boost, but it just should never be taken at night.
2: Okay, have you any natural alternative to taking a blood pressure tablet?
7: So there's a couple of ones that can work. Um, And it's very much, you see, of course, we still, often we don't know why blood pressure rises in people. I mean, stress is obviously a factor, high salt diet is a factor, but a lot of the time there is no explanation for it. So the first thing to start off with, I suppose, is something like... um, um, Uh, supplement that has things like potassium and magnesium in there and these tend to counterbalance the sodium electrolytes in the body and help rebalance that so if it's a sodium issue that will help bring your blood pressure down then you can work from a more naturopathic kind of organic level to um, develop the health of your veins and your arteries and your heart and hawthorn mixed with garlic is wonderful for that so hawthorn is brilliant for the cells of all of those muscular veins and capillaries and arteries. And the garlic is lovely to make your blood nice and thin so it flows through your veins beautifully, smoothly. Um, So a combination of those um, can help. Sometimes the fish oils are great as well because they work from an anti-inflammatory perspective, so they will help with the heart. You may need to try a couple of them. And to be honest, Patricia, the high blood pressure, I do find that it's one of the harder ones to get a handle on because um, on natural methods, even you know, if you've had a particularly stressful week, it might go up that week, and then it might go down the following week when things are back to normal. So sometimes the doctors are pretty insistent you go on the supplement
2: and stay and stay on it. Uh, well you've mentioned the cannabis supplement. Somebody says, "Hi, Patricia, is the cannabis supplement as good as the oil, and is it safe to take with other meds?" So the cannabis. Often
7: comes it either comes in an oil or it comes in capsules. I always think the oil is better because if you can get it underneath your tongue, it can go straight into the bloodstream. So it's more effective and it's quicker. It's more quicker to be effective. So um, the yeah, so it it does suit most medications, Patricia. The only one I suppose that I would be worried about would be if somebody was on epilepsy medication because the cannabis oil actually can reduce and has been shown to reduce the number of epileptic fits. So you would need to maybe work in conjunction with your doctor. Just let them know because it may mean mean that you need to reduce the strength of your epilepsy medication. The other thing I always say to people, when you're taking a strong herb, take it away from your medication because medication has been designed to work its way through the liver on its own with no interference. So if you take a herb at the same time, it might speed up you know the detoxification of the medication so you it might affect the strength of the dose it mightn't be strong enough basically your medication may not be strong enough so wait a couple of hours between any medication and then it's safe for everything
2: okay pa- patricia says i'm on a supplement called curcumin with vitamin d how long should i stay on it and what are the benefits
7: so curcumin is usually used as a natural anti-inflammatory it's the extract of turmeric the root um, so people take it as a natural anti-inflammatory for lots of things, really, Patricia, for arthritis mainly probably, but a lot of people would take it that have, um, you know, um, multiple sclerosis or rheumatoid arthritis or um, any other sort of autoimmune disorder. It can be a very good one for for its natural anti-inflammatory um, benefits. So my answer to is, how long should you take it for? I suppose if you're taking it as an anti-inflammatory and it's worked, It's always good to give it a break. And if you feel your old symptoms coming back, then you know you need it
2: okay All right. we'll leave it there listen thank you for that and we'll talk again next week have a good week that is Annalise Drussell of the Health Hub Times Square in Ballangolic always a mine of information Uh, hi Patricia this is just some of your quick texts coming in people shouldn't be afraid to attend a GP or indeed to attend a hospital I had a bad fall during the lockdown ended up having to attend my GP surgery and the A&E department three times I never felt more safe Uh, and I certainly much safer than when I'm out and about doing my shopping as everybody's wearing PPE uh, gear so please do not be put off going to your doctor or to a uh, hospital and hi Trish can I ask the question why is every everybody coming down on young people I've got a son he's 14 and Trish he has not gone anywhere he doesn't meet his friends after school they don't meet up on uh, weekends and all of his friends are in the very same boat they do chat but they chat online as for masks every one of them wear their masks it's not young people holding the house party so please people give young people a break and why is everybody watching what others are doing we've become a very nosy country thanking you Trish rant over says this texter while Martin in from says I passed a cafe four times and every time people were sitting outside and there were certainly more than 15 people when will people ever learn also last night at around 11pm I noticed at least 25 teenagers bunched together not one of them were wearing masks what do their parents think of this? Do their parents know where they were? Do they even remind their sons and daughters about the dangers of this series at uh, vaccineists Martin and Fmoy? But you see again if they were all bunched together and they were all outside the rules at the moment Martin do not say that when you're outside. You have to wear a mask. Certainly the social distancing. Uh, they are being reminded of that in school all of the time. But obviously when they're out socialising, young people do what the young people do. And they're all just um, being together and socialising. Eighteen. Oh, I was going to give out the phone number, but I won't because I won't have time to take any more of your calls because uh, that's where I wrap it up for today. My thanks to Sadie and to John Paul for taking our calls this morning. Nick Richards is with us for the afternoon. We're back with you tomorrow at 10 o'clock until then. I'm Patricia Messenger. Have a very good afternoon. Lovely weather. Do as you can try to get out and enjoy it. I'll talk to you tomorrow morning at 10. Until then, stay safe and uh, look after yourselves.